You are listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Hey, wow. You know what? The imagination now. Everybody has changed. Now they're getting so uh, creative in terms of their thinking and what they can do. Man, it's, it's, this is the best I've seen. Yeah, when you jump that damn high, you got a lot of time. To up the floor. Reads a drop down. Kobe! And welcome back to Hardwood Radio. Ben, things can change very quickly in the NBA. And with just a very bad timing of an injury, now the Warriors do not look like world beaters anymore. Uh, yeah, and you know what? It's funny. Last year, they looked like world beaters without Kevin Durant. And now Kevin Durant is sidelined with a mildly serious injury. And they're, they're, looking, they're searching for themselves. They're searching for ways to uh, make it work. And it looks pretty brutal right now. So the, the Wolves are circling the caravan in the, the, in the West. It's a, uh, it's a bloodbath out there. And the Rockets, the Spurs, and the Thunder are looking at the wounded Warriors, and they they intend to break their confidence before the playoff starts. You mentioned the Spurs. They're looking very good at the moment. So just before we touch on the Warriors more in depth, the Spurs and Kyle uh, Leonard, the MVP talk are not crazy anymore when you're looking at this the Warriors, at least if you just look at the Western Conference. The Warriors are not necessarily generating any MVP talk with Curry because he's not playing at the level where we're used to. Same for Durant with injury. So Kyrie Leonard could actually be in the MVP conversation. He has been so good and so dominant for the last month. Um, I was listening to Zach Lowe on his podcast saying, what if, what if he is the MVP since the beginning of the season and we're just tuning him out because he's not he's not making faces he's not getting into grudges with other superstars he doesn't have a fancy system he's just great and i don't know have you seen their last game against the rockets uh not in, not in full no they've won in uh they've won on a buzzer beater where uh, Kawhi uh Kawhi uh, uh shot a three from uh, uh with about 30 seconds to go james harden takes the ball James Harden comes rushing uh, ac- across the court, pushing the pace, trying to squeeze uh, a game-tying shot in. And Kawhi Leonard comes in rushing from behind him, slapping the ball against the board. That is that is MVP an MVP type of play. You he put his team ahead with a clutch basket, and on the next possession he. Even if it's a, even if it's a it's a home game, even if it's a uh, even if it's a regular season game, he doesn't want to lose. He just goes at the other team's best player and blocks his shot and gets it gets his team to win. Like he he is as soon as we we've pegged Kawhi Leonard as a player, he's just reinventing himself. He's just getting more and more dominant. 
Now, to go back to the Warriors for a second. Yes. Is it just a problem of, okay, we lost a piece, now we have to readjust and find our groove back, find our confidence back, and find the way Curry used to play and find the way uh, uh, they can get open with the players they do have now, Thompson. But if you're looking at the players they have lost, Durant, they have been good with him, but he has been very important this season in the build-up play and taking some responsibilities off the shoulders of other players. Now they have to gather those responsibilities back, and it might be a lot for them to process, which would explain their difficulty that they're having. Like their their worst offensive output last night in the entire season, not even b below 90 points, which is unheard of for the Warriors over the last few years. Um, yeah, and last night, though, we have to give the Celtics some credits. We'll talk about the Celtics la later in this uh, podcast, but the Celtics are looking absolutely dominant right now. Uh, they're, they're, they're scary. Um, I, I, the, the, the point, the problem with the Warriors right now is that they gave the keys to uh, Kevin Durant, like... Um, like Bell Simmons said, Kevin Durant was the driver. He was a driving force behind that team. Now Steph Curry conceded uh, conceded that place to Kevin Durant. He deferred to Kevin Durant after a horrible failure at the end of last year. And to, now Curry has to find his killer instinct back. And um, we've seen some very alarming things uh, in the last game up against the the Celtics which I had the privilege to watch um, he got hot but he and he was doing good but it didn't matter because he was not making his teammates better and he I got I believe he got a little psyched out by Jalen Brown and Isaiah Thomas and right now I don't know what to think um, maybe maybe Kevin Durant's gonna come back for the playoffs and everything's gonna be okay but what if the Warriors have lost that that's flexibility with their lineup, which we all thought was a luxury for them? What if they have lost their 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 edge, their what makes them special? I it's very early to pronounce ourselves, but it's something to keep an eye on because it's not it doesn't look uh, it doesn't look good. And you mentioned the Rockets and the Thunder. The Thunder, Russell yes. Westbrook, continuing on his domination path. He scored the most amount of points in the history of the franchise. That's even before they were the Thunder. That's when they were Seattle with a 58 points performance in the last few days. Uh, are you surprised that Russell Westbrook continues to literally drive that team to to top? Not necessarily the top, but the upper echelon of the Western Conference by himself, basically. Yes and no. Um, Taj Gibson is doing a lot of good to uh, Russell Westbrook right now because Anus Cantor is still out with a broken arm. Anus Cantor was one of the power forwards for the um, for the Thunder who broke his arm by punching through a chair for some reason. Uh, but Taj Gibson is a veteran. He knows how to play a fast pace. He can get his points. He can get when when he's uh, when he's not guarded, and it opens up all sorts of things for Russell Westbrook. Um, same thing for Dougie uh, McBuckets, Doug McDermott, who got traded also from Chicago at the trade deadline. So I'm not surprised. I'm always a little worried because when you play 
with your pedal to the metal like this, you're always a liability for injuries. But hey, got to give Russell the benefit of the doubt. So far, so good. And the Rockets with James Harden at the helm, they are looking very consistent this season and they're continuing. So like the Warriors winning the Western Conference is not a done deal at all. They'll be challenging the road to the final, the road to the rematch, because we all expected just a few weeks ago that it would be so easy for the Cavaliers and the Warriors to face each other in the finals. Now, the road to the finals seems a lot more complicated, not just for the Warriors, but for Cleveland, too. Uh, isn't it an amazing time? It's a great time to be alive. Like The, the, the finals of the NBA are not decided yet. And if I'm the Warriors, Houston is the team I'm worried about. Um, they play at a scorching pace. They play beautiful basketball. They have vindicated Mike D'Antoni in the history books. Like, Mike D'Antoni's system absolutely works despite the abysmal defense. And with the addition of Lou Williams on the bench, uh, they have become they have become a machine. And, like, uh, for those who don't know, uh, the Houston Rockets have Eric Gordon, which was the three-point shootout champions for this year, and Lou Williams, another trigger-happy guy in uh, on the bench playing Mike D'Antoni basketball. And these guys are basically just having a pissing contest, like for who sh shoots the most trees in a game. It's fun. It's ridiculous. And these guys are firing from all cylinders. Um, if if I'm the Warriors, um, Houston is the team I'm most afraid to play. You just mentioned shooting three points. I'll just mention by off uh, top of my head, uh, Steph Curry has surpassed another point. I think he's in the top ten in the history of the league now for the amount of three points made, and he's so young. So can we uh, say I think he's twelfth? I'm not sure. Uh, like twelfth or tenth? Like yeah, like but it's, it's very close at the tenth position if that's the case. And before the end of his career, it's almost for sure that he's going to be the one of the player, if not the player, with the most amount of three points ever. Because the rate that he's going, look, he's in his early twenties. Like we're talking about a young player here. I, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be a John Stockton case. John Stockton is the leader for assists and steals, and nobody right in their mind are going to beat him in the, within the next fifty years. So I think it's. I think he's going to pass Ray Allen, surpass Ray Allen. Easily, I think he's close to having uh, 2,000 uh, three points ma made, uh, but he needs to find his killer instinct back. Like I think Steph is, uh, I think the failure of last year has really affected Steph because he was a poster boy of this team. Like he will uh, now, we need to see what he's made of. All right, in the Eastern Conference, Ben, uh, yes. the Celtics didn't pull the trigger on trade deadline. They did not try to get no, better. They, they did not go get Jimmy Butler, but mm -hmm. lo and behold, it was for the best. Uh, yep, absolutely. They, um, they, they look great, uh, and I don't know if it's me or if you agree with me. Um, Isaiah Thomas is looking more and more uh, day after day like the absolute best players that ever played basketball that's under 5'10". Yeah, you know what he remind, who he reminds me of? Not necessarily by the way he plays, because that's very different, 
But his attitude, his leadership sometimes, his anger not placed at the right uh, time. Like, it's not necessarily the right time and he gets angry, whatever. There's consequences. But uh, kind of Allen Iverson-esque in the way he uh, generates leadership for that team. Uh, I think the way he plays, too, is very Allen Iverson-esque. He drives very hard. He He's shifty. He can take contacts. And he plays with more and more confidence every day. And he's just he's just a great he's just a great player who's emerging like who's getting to know he's getting to learn how great he is, and he absolutely buried the Warriors last night. He buried them six feet under, and right now it's getting to be a question, like for the the Celtics. Let's say they get the first pick overall. Uh, uh, in next year's draft, which is a possibility because they own the Nets' pick. Do you go for one of the two uh, point guards available or do you go for Josh Jackson, the super athletic winger? Because right now, Isaiah Thomas is an untradeable asset. Like, you cannot trade him. You cannot put him back on a bench. He is the heart and soul of your team. Now, in the uh, funny section of the Hardware Radio show today, yes. a funny story about, you know, uh, the Cavaliers, after the trade deadline, they decided to turn, turn around and go to free agency to sign one of the most uh, interesting players in the free agency right now, which was Andrew Bogut. And because it was late in the season, you would think, well, season's already long. Like, it's already in the tooth. It's not necessarily the beginning. And he's not going to get injured, right? He usually gets injured 40 games a season. There's not even 40 games left or very close to. So he's not going to get injured. Well, guess what? Everybody was wrong. A minute 40, I believe, that you told me earlier after he made his Cavaliers debut in 2017, he broke his tibia. Yep. And apparently it was very nasty. Uh, LeBron James told the press, like, I heard the leg crack. Uh, and he's out for the season. He's probably going to get bought out and like in order to create another uh, roster space for the Cavaliers. I, it's it's ironic, but it's kind of a tragedy for him because he was looking to get back into the finals and now he's just, he's, he's screwed basically, he's out of a job. And, um, and the Cavaliers also were looking for a big man, they were looking for a rim defender and they're out one right now. Uh, it's it's just complicated. Like, what do you do? What do you do with Andrew Bogut? How how do you solve that situation with the Cavaliers? It's bad luck. It's ironic, but uh, that opens the door like for plenty of teams in the East to capitulate to 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 uh, uh, take opportunity on it. Like, you know who else is getting great, really good right now? Who? Washington. Why the Washington Wizards? And you know that's that's. That's a um, that's an example of how fickle the NBA is. Last year, two years ago, everybody was saying, "Oh, um, Scott Brooks is uh, preventing the Oklahoma City Thunder for from winning a championship." Uh, Westbrook and Durant are great. Scott Brooks can coach, and now that Scott Brooks replaced the most incompetent coach in the NBA in Washington, oh my God, Scott Brooks is a genius. He transformed the Washington Wizards into a winning team, and uh, they're playing beautiful basketball. And uh, John Wall and Bradley Beal are firing from all cylinders. Everybody knows their role in the team. And it's just a testament to how, how s certain styles of coaching 
uh, Mather in the NBA. Scott Scott Brooks is not yeah. a great X's and O's guy. He's he's a he's a psychologist. He talks to his guy. He gets the best out of them. He has learned to trust his players too. And right now, right now, Washington is responding very well. And it may be it probably be Cleveland in the finals, but it may be Boston. It may be Washington, and right now, the Raptors are are not standing out compared to these three teams in the East. No, well, the Larry injury doesn't help, and the Demari Carroll, no, exactly. the Demari Carroll injury doesn't help as well for that. Mm-hmm. But uh, with Ibaka in the conversation, it is good to see him solely contribute now for the Toronto Raptors. So that's interesting. Uh, just to finish here on the situation, you mentioned the Washington Wizards. Their yes. throwback jersey, I really love it. It looks like the bullets, but it's set. It's written Wizards, but yes. I, I really like the look. I have to say, it looks it looks kind of cool compared to all the other jerseys that are mismatch of colors sometimes. They are sneaky good too, man. Uh, like la- last year, the loss of Paul Pierce was really weighting this team down. But you know what? Sometimes you need to lose a piece to gain a piece, and Otto Porter really has really stepped up. For this team and has become the third wheel offensively and a very good defensive player and right now um, Otto Porter is geared up for a huge payday in the, the summer like watch him out watch out for him in the playoffs he might play, play a crucial role in the deep playoff run for the Wizards now we're getting close to March Madness, Ben. We're yes, in the sir. part of the month where now we're starting to take a look at the brackets in the next few weeks what catches your attention in the East side of March Madness right now? Um, there's there's a lot of stuff catching my attention. Um, like let's let's start with Duke because Duke, Duke yes. is everybody's favorite, and there's some uh, potential and some prospect that we've talked about that are from Duke. Yes. So uh, Duke not having the type of season, but it, but it's Duke. What, what can we expect from Duke? Um, expect Jason Tatum to continue on his rip roaring. Uh, sequence right now because he's getting really hot. He's taking all the touches for Duke and he's doing really good. I think he's doing really good for college level. I'm not sure this is sustainable in the pros. Uh, I'm expecting Jason Tatum to take over in the March Madness and to give them a deep run. Uh, Maybe a Sweet 16, maybe an Elite 8. I am dubious they're going to win it all. I would wish that they, they win it all because I really like Duke. I'm one of these guys who likes them because I like to be contrary. But um, <laughs> Because everybody but, hates them, so I'm going to love them. Exactly. But um, I really like that team around Jason Tatum. And with Mike Krzyzewski, you never know. You never know. Like He can get the best out of these kids. Does... Talk about college sports for a second. In Canada, right now, yes. in Halifax, is the final eight for U Sports, which is the rebranding of what used to be the CIS. Uh, Carlton Ravens, a team that have been known over the years to be amazing program, this year have a challenger. Ryerson from Toronto are probably the, considered one of the favorites to win the championship. McGill, number two. McGill from Montreal won an yes. important game uh, last night. So, Keep an eye on the Canadian youth sports because there's actually great basketball and some of those programs could actually rival some time to time some NCAA program. We have seen the Ravens beat some other NCAA team in uh, exhibition matches. That's it. They play exhibition matches. There's a uh, there's a dialogue between uh, the two circuits. Like we get like we got sorry Syracuse I think here for a, 
a preseason game against McGill a couple of seasons ago. So there's there's definitely a development of talents. Uh, I'm not surprised to see Ryerson emerge because they come from a region that's known as a very fertile cluster for basketball. Um, in terms of Carleton, it's more of a of a uh, of a university that decided to invest in the sport because uh, because I guess because they really like it and because it's a sport where they could stand out. But um, but um, it's like if like there's there there's something there. There's there's a there's a, a culture that is really uh, blossoming, and I'm really I'm really excited to see uh, to see the possibilities uh, that could emerge from this. Just the fact that example, I always watch Tim and Sid before we do the show because it helps me get ready. And Tim and Sid on Sports and in Canada is one of the shows that I actually talk about basketball, talk about the NBA. Mm-hmm. And usually they talk about the same things that we're going to talk about, so it helps to get ready. <laughs> but they talk about they talked about U Sports today. They talk about the basketball yes. championship, and that is important to me. A long for long, long periods of time in Canada, the sports station were not talking about university sports. They were talking about the NCAA, but they're not even talking about U Sports. They were talking about mm-hmm. CIS or the UCIS back then, or whatever the CIUS. It went through like 28 different acronyms, but they were never getting talked about. And now slowly at least a little bit of attention is given and and that is important because we do have great universities with great sports program in montreal in quebec for football there's basketball emerging in mcgill now same for the in ontario great universities uh in bc as well calgary the dinos you have great sports program across the country and now it's great to see them at least getting talked about a little in the mainstream sports media I've had the discussion with uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of American people I know. Uh, U sports here are never going to be as popular because we have a different uh, system in order to develop the future professional athletes. We have the junior system, which is very popular in hockey, which is very popular in baseball too, which are the two major sports in Canada. Um, soccer has the academy system, which is a whole different animal. But, but you're, you're, yeah, you're right. The same same principle where it's not necessarily related to school, your highest sports level in development. Yes, exactly. Um, but you know what? Basketball in the Europe uh, works like this. Like the young phenom at Real Madrid right now, Luka Doncic, belongs to Real Madrid since he's 12 years old. You know, he's 17 years old right now. He's playing three position. He's playing major minutes. So that could be that could be a that could be something to 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 figure out for uh, professional sports here because um, but but you know what the junior sports model kind of makes sense for the kids um, for us it it kind of deprives us of the old like college rivalry culture because nobody has a rivalry over a junior hockey team. But uh, it makes sense for the kids. Like, it, it, none of these kids that play, that, that have, like, a pro future have anything to gain for, for, for four-year in college. Yes, they're going to have an education. Yes, they're going to have a symbolic paper. But they're going to make 10 times more money in one year as a pro than they will do 10 years as, uh, as a doctor or as an architect or whatever. So, so I don't know what's, when what sense it's going, but man, if there can be, if more college sports means more basketball in Canada, I sign me in. 
well, there's one thing though. Let's remember, maybe twenty, thirty years down the road, where the rest of the world would, they would not have catch up to basketball where United States are. But mm-hmm. when there's more academies, like you mentioned in Europe, for Madrid, Barcelona, and the other parts of the world as well, that create young players of basketball that becomes uh, the the players of tomorrow. The, when there's going to be more of that than NCAA and slowly the NCAA is going to be an hindrance because they're too old and you're going to start to have younger players. So in 30, 40 years, then it'll be different. They'll be closer to where the soccer model is because uh, that's going to have to be the market decides. And if there's more players available, younger, that you can get, that you can sign before they even get to the NCAA, get to the draft, then it's a different opportunities for different players. And if a player is good enough, he's old enough. So they'll have a, a in 20, 30 years down the road, if we still have that show, <laughs> we'll be able to talk about it. That's, a, uh, that's interesting. And let's finish the show, as always, with the prospect yes. of the week. And this week, we have Justin Payton. Justin Payton from Creighton University, who, which is a little bit of a phenomenon this year in, um, in college basketball because Creighton doesn't give a fuck about defense. They are all offense all the time. They score crazy amounts of points for a, a basketball team. Creighton is coached by the father of one of the greatest basketball players, uh, college basketball players of all time, Doug McDermott, who now has played since last month with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, Justin Patton is an interesting piece because he is a very versatile, offensive, uh, big man, and he has a big body. He's a big dude. And it's, it's a lot of, it's very important to be a physical presence down low. Uh, because because all these guards are all getting faster, they're all getting they're all getting uh, uh, more agile. So it needs a guy to keep up uh, with them and to at least make them think twice about attacking the rim. So Justin Patton's defense is not super well adapted to uh, to the NBA right now, but he has the tools to get there. And right now he can attack the rim. He has a back to the basket game. He's developing his shooting touch. I like I like what I'm seeing. I don't know exactly uh, where he can fall in NBA. What is what's his um, what's his a uh, uh, his his um, his middle ground is going to be in the NBA? What kind of player he can be? I don't see him as a superstar not yet, but um, he's got an interesting profile. I mean, I mean, a team like let's say. Um, the Portland Trail Blazers, who need a big man that can produce down low, they need big men who can like show a sign of life down low, um, could use Justin Patton. Uh, along with Yusuf Nurkic, it would be a nice pair. So um, keep an eye on Justin Patton. I'm not, I'm not 100% sold, but maybe 70% sold that he's an NBA player. Maybe he's a bench player, but I can uh, help the depth of a team, especially late in the season. Maybe he's that kind, but that's still a good professional career. Absolutely, absolutely. Like if he's a, if he can be a contributor in the NBA, then he's a success. Because let's not forget the amount of basketball players that comes out in the NCAA system every year, compared to the amount of place and spot available. It's still mind-boggling, and it's still a crapshoot. People don't understand how evolutionary this thing is. Um, of, of all the the basketball players in the United States, only about 4,000 are playing in college uh, basketball. 
So you take from maybe, I don't know, 500,000 to 4,000. So you put the 4,000 best together, and then about 40 to 50 are taken in the draft. So from 500,000 to the 50 best are taken in the draft each year. So like the, the evolutionary athleticism in there must be absolutely off the hook. Like these guys are, are by default the best of the best, athletically speaking, and it's a huge leap to, to, to go from the, uh, from the college basketball to the NBA. Huge. Yeah, uh, it's it's huge, and maybe once uh, in a future show we'll talk about the uh, like the amount of players coming in, but they need a place to play. There's not necessarily the same amount of coming out, and you need to earn a place and that battle to actually become and the percentage of drafted players that actually make it in the mm-hmm. NBA more than just one or two appearances and one or two games, percentage wise. Even if you're drafted, you still have a small percentage of the chance of having an actual long career. Yes, if you go to guys go to Wikipedia and go to the NBA draft and scroll year by year, um, the guys who are overlined in gray have never played a game in the NBA. So there's about 10 names that are overlined in gray from every year. So it's not getting drafted is everything but a guarantee of playing in the NBA. Well, Ben, it's a pleasure as always. And as always, until next week, have a great basketball. Thank you. You were listening to SPN, the Sports Podcasting Network. Visit us, sportspodcastingnetwork.com.